Hi, welcome to Ugly Betty's, a podcast where we talk about Ugly Betty. My name is Steven. My name is George. And we're here to talk about Season 1, Episode 6, Trust, Must, and Lust. I am so excited to talk about this one. It was written by Cameron Litvak and directed by Jamie Babbitt. So, what did you think about the episode? Oh my god, first of all, Selma Hayek has such a fantastic arc in this show. Yes, it lasts like four episodes, five episodes. Oh, and what a great character reveal that she has in the beginning of the episode. That look, that's that's the first thing I wrote down in my notes. Oh, what a great reveal. And here's the thing, I mean, hey, I never noticed this before. Because I've seen Selma Hayek in previous things. I never noticed what a great body she has. Have you not seen um, um, Dust Before Dawn? Till dust, till dust. From dusk till dawn. From dusk. Yeah. I did, but I saw it in theaters, and it was years ago, and I don't really remember. She her. has body karate. She was so beautiful and attractive. I was even attracted to I her. I really noticed it in this episode. I mean, I never, I never, I never saw her in her characters because I mean, I've seen the faculty, and I've seen other things she's done over the years. Um. But, I mean, she has such a great body, and I never really noticed her boobs till this episode. Well, if you've watched from the Soul Dawn, she's v- very much like in this episode. <laughs> she's very voluptuous. <laughs> have you seen um, Frida, right? Have you seen Frida? I have not. It's on Netflix, I suggest you Good to it. know. I definitely want, and I know she got nominated for an Oscar for And it. she lost to, by a nose, to Miss Nicole Kidman. For the hours, yeah. Yes. And here's the thing. Uh, here's the thing I love about Sophia Ray's uh, Selma Hayek's character: mm-hmm. beauty and brains. Yes, and it's such a lethal combination. Yes. <laughs> oh, I just, I just, I love how she just undresses him with his words. It was just so, and I love how um, she called him out for like playing Amanda. And said, "Oh, you did that to that poor girl. Did, did a." <laughs> Um, once again, you have to keep in mind, this was recorded in 2006, so obviously in 2020, some of the references are going to be dated. Mm-hmm. I think my favorite one that I noticed, the first one I noticed in this was Pimp Yo House. Hmm. When Wilhelmina was on the phone with her daughter, Nico, no, I'm not going to let the place be on Pimp Yo House, <laughs> which is obviously a good Pimp My Ride reference, and for those of you who don't remember, Pimp My Ride was a show on MTV hosted by Exhibit, the rapper, where they basically made over cars and you could pimp your ride. <laughs> so, oh, the jokes of its time. Um, and that's when M- MTV only focused on music. It, like, it was going towards doing... Reality TV. TV and... Like, regular TV shows like Teen Wolf, and there was My Life Has Lit. My Life as Liz, that was a show on MTV that I used to watch. Wow. <laughs> I, I, mean, I love now, that show. During, during quarantine, I've been watching nothing but Daria. And that was, to me, the best show MTV ever made was Daria. And I've been watching it nonstop on a loop. I mean, my roommate finally asked me the other day, it's like, how have you not gotten through all these episodes? Like, oh, I've gotten through every single episode of the show. Now I just watch favorites on a loop. How many episodes of Daria are there? Let me look it up real quick for you. Um, there's two television movies. Mm-hmm. Is it Fall Yet and Is It College Yet? Both of which are amazing. Um, anybody looking for other things to watch besides Ugly Betty, I highly recommend Daria. It's on Hulu. Uh, there are 70 episodes, mm-hmm. including one unaired pilot, two television movies, 
and uh, two uh, specials, so um, 70 episodes, so it's really easy to binge. Who has that kind of time? By the way, we're in a quarantine. We always <laughs> have that kind of time. But back to the episode. I mean, the plot really thickens in this with Bradford, because mm -hmm. with this one line when he goes, well, or the woman goes, you know what tomorrow is, don't you? How can I forget? Do we know who that woman is? Is that just some assistant? Yeah, that's or... her assistant. His assistant. Okay, because yeah, it, it was she had like in three of the episodes. Okay, because she's not she's only in the first season because you know. And I wonder if it was intentional to kind of make her look like Judith Light or what? No, I, she... What Faye Summers could have looked like? I mean, I wonder if that was intentional or. Oh, the assistant Bradford's assistant. Yeah, I think it was. She was just like you know an assistant who was like an older assistant who'd been with Bradford for a longer time giving that history to that character, they have that relationship because, you know, Faye's been there in the magazine for a long time, and then Bradford, obviously, that's his, his company, so it's kind of like a Mrs. Landingham type of thing with um, The West Wing and Jeff Bradley. I've been watching The West Wing. Oh, which is so good. Oh, my God. I mean, it is a little bittersweet to watch it during quarantine because you're like, oh, this is what a real president in a real White House should be. Haven't I been telling you that multiple times since I've been watching it? Yes. I, I, I it's like, Martin Sheen, if you're listening to this, please be our president. Well, you would do a much better job than the one we have. But, you know, I want, I still want you to do all your movies. So, I mean, don't be president, but, you know, the next <laughs> president gets It's like, yeah, you, you played one on TV for six years. Close Seven enough. Years. Seven years. Close enough. Ugh, that show is so good. I'm, you I, can see why Allison Janney just kept winning Emmy after Emmy after Emmy for playing CJ. She Craig. was not. She was nominated five times. She won four out of the five. Yes. And the only time she didn't win it was for Edie Falco for The Sopranos. Not that I know that off the top of my oh. head or anything. Ugh, Anyways, my uh, back to the show. I mean, what I loved about this show was that you really see the multi-layers and the complexity and Wilhelmina and her humanity. Yes. And because you just see how right off the bat, Wilhelmina and her daughter speak two completely different languages mm -hmm. and they live on two completely different planets when it comes to their personalities. Yes. Nico, Nico is like down to earth and chill and Wilhelmina is like poised and... Is you can see what Nico might become with Wilhelmina's um, direction, and you see that in the future season four, but that we were not there yet. We'll get there in season four, but just wait. Yeah, and and you and you learn in this episode how Wilhelmina came to be Wilhelmina, because you know how her father raised her, her. Her father, the senator, who doesn't even get addressed as daddy or dad or father. Sucker in boarding school after boarding school after boarding The senator, show. that's how he gets addressed, the and, senator. And I love the quote that Wilhelmina tells her daughter at the end of the episode. The senator gave me the best lesson I ever get to being on your own builds your character, basically. You know, remember that? Builds, just, uh, it, um, it like builds your armor. Builds your armor. And I'm, I'm learning that, being on my own in L.A. Like, you know... I learned a lot of life, tough life lessons being out here. And I would never learn that back in Texas, living with my, my family. And I'm glad on my own, li living these hard lessons. And, you know, yeah, I'm enjoying Well, it's like I a, I mean, I, I've been here for almost 12 years in August. And it's like a rite of passage. Every, every actor who comes to Hollywood not knowing a soul, not having any family connections in the industry, 
everybody who comes here has to go through those struggles. It's like the rite of passage for LA actors. And then you either make it, or you either tough it out, and then you eventually make it. You make it on a whim because someone just discovers you really quick, or you know, you go back home. I know a bunch of people who went back home. Me too. Even being here for like I've seen forty them. plus years. Yeah, I I've seen them all come and I've seen them all go. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, just to go back to the beginning of the episode because what I loved about this was wow, this is just the beginning of the episode and it unpacked so much. Like you can immediately tell that Ignacio, Betty's father, is clearly hiding more secrets. And yeah. I, and I love the intensity. That Tony, um, is it, is I, Plana or Plana or Plana. Okay. I love, I love the intensity that Tony Plana plays in those moments. He plays it with such intensity. Like he's clearly hiding something. Yes. And like coming from this, the last episode, rewatching it to now, you, you just felt like, oh, that's it. It's over with. Like, that's it. He's just like, you know, he's just a legal immigrant. But no, there's, there's more. more. Of course there's more. It's a TV show. There has to be more. And I like how the, the lawyer said, why didn't you just apply for amnesty? They're like, oh, I, I, just, I just got busy. They're like, no. No, you weren't. No, you, you, no, you weren't. You, you had plenty of time. You had 30 years. And then. I mean, like I said, the plot continues to thicken. And, um. This is just the beginning. That's what I love about this. This is just the beginning. And I and I love Betty inquisitive nature in the beginning when they were looking through the photos and saw, oh, this torn picture of mom. There's a ring. Oh, that was an old boyfriend. But I thought you guys were your first love. And it was he, he was tripping over himself. And was like, oh my gosh. When I was first watching it, I remember first watching it when I rewatched it from the beginning because. My first episode was in season two, like I told you, because I didn't know any of this. I was like, oh my God, oh my God, what? <laughs> no, no. So, um, I love, um, I love how Hilda is still peddling her, um, Herbalux. Herbal. Herbalux. I love how Hilda is still peddling her Herbalux and, um, there's one line that I caught where it's like, ooh, I wonder if this would not fly in today's PC police society that we're currently living in. Which, what, what, when, um, well, because Hilda is telling Betty to start selling this stuff at the magazine mm-hmm. and to start working on her sales pitch. And there's a joke in there that Betty sarcastically says, which is, tired of sticking your finger down your throat? Oh, yeah, that one. <laughs> and it's like... That was such a provocative joke, and it's like, ooh, I wonder if in 2020 that would not fly in today's PC, just because here's the thing. It was a joke, but unfortunately the thing is, bulimia is not, you know, that's a very touchy, very sensitive, very psychological, you know, thing that girls do go, and women do go through, so I just, you know. And and plus, they were, and this was at a fashion magazine, right? that that elevated that um, discussion. Of the stereotype of, oh, the reason why models are so skinny is because they're anorexic or they're bulimic and they're bad examples for girls because they're, 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 this is where the whole, you know, debate comes in about fashion and magazines. So I was just watching that joke and I, I caught a couple more of them actually in this episode. I was like, ooh, I wonder, like I said, they could get away with it in 2006 when times weren't as sensitive, but in today's 
PC police cancel culture society. I'm like, ooh, I wonder if some of these jokes would not fly today on network television. Yeah, like they're canceling like stuff like you know the thing with Dirty Rock right. with the blackface and that. Have you seen that episode? I, of Dirty here's Rock? the thing. I'll say this, and I know we're going off on a little tangent. Bear with us. Mm-hmm. Thank you. You're yeah. amazing listeners. Okay, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I. I see what the 30 Rock people are trying to do by removing it, but here's the thing. And I know that I might not have... The thing is, here's the thing about the 30 Rock episode. I love the episode personally, Mm -hmm. but here's the thing. They addressed in the show how it was wrong for Jenna to do that. And um, because basically, for those of you who haven't seen it, what happens in the episode is that Jenna, who's played by Jane Krakowski, and Tracy Jordan, who's played by Tracy Tracy Morgan, are having a big debate about, is it harder to be a white woman or is it harder to be a black man? Because unfortunately, women still get paid less than men for doing the same exact job. And then obviously with Black Lives... I mean, this was years before Black Lives Matter, by the way. This was... This was... um, Oh, eight. This mm-hmm. was season three. So this was the fall of 2008. And Oprah was on the episode, mm-hmm. guest starring as herself. But anyways, um, so what happens is that they do a challenge where Tracy will come to work the next day as a white woman and Jenna will come to work the next day as a black man. And obviously Tracy's trying to be white and Jenna is wearing blackface and she is going down the hallway singing, he's on down, he's on down the road. And okay, here's the thing. Tufer, who's the other black character on that show who works in the writer's room, they call him Tufer because he graduated from Harvard and he's black, so you get a Tufer with him, which is why they nicknamed him Tufer. Mm-hmm. He does say to Jenna, this is wrong what you're doing. So that's why I don't agree with them pulling it because Jenna does get reprimanded in the episode for what she's doing is wrong. They weren't celebrating it. They weren't glorifying it. They weren't saying it's okay to do this. Mm-hmm. In, in Idris Elba, like why I brought up Idris, he said, like, removing those racial, I don't want to say connotation, I think that's the wrong word. Re- images. Images and, like, things, you're, you're, you're taking away the opportunity for people who are going to, who's growing up, the children of the future, like, to understand what racism, racism is, looking back at these old movies and TV shows. Like, I know it's bad. And why me. it's wrong to do it. Yeah, trust me. I'm black. I know this wrong. Right. When I watched that 30 Rock episode for the first time, I marathoned it, like, a couple summers ago. When I watched it, it's like, no, no, I feel so offended. But I love, I love Jane Kirkowski, so... I don't know and how to feel. Get, well, and she does get reprimanded in the episode, which is why I personally felt it was it was okay because Tufer does come in and reprimands her for it and tells her how this is wrong and this sets back our community. Yeah, doing but I it. but I do agree. Like what what Andrew said, you know, they still need to. I mean, you can't you can't just can't you can't just even Judy Garland. You can't. Wore, yeah, you can't dry erase the history yes. of America. Even Judy Garland wore blackface in one of her movies when she was going undercover as a jazz singer. And she and she performed in blackface a lot of times singing Somewhere Over the Rainbow. And like you, in um, the movie, the TV movie we yes. watch. But, can't get over, yes. Black Right Lives Matter. Yes. Back to the episode. And what's funny is, this actually goes beautifully right into what I'm about to say next, which is you find out uh, that Mark has a type. Because um, remember when Mark says, unless it's Tay Diggs covered in baby oil? Mm, <laughs> I mean, 
I, Mark, I, Mark I, has a type. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I don't, I'm not, I, I do agree. <laughs> I mean, Tate Diggs is a very attractive, very talented man. And he, um, what was he doing at the time? Uh, it was 2006, so he didn't have that UPN show he was doing called Kevin Hill. That didn't last And that was long. before Private Pack. Private practice. Yeah, so he was kind of like in an in-between spot because yeah. he wasn't doing Kevin Hill and he wasn't doing private practice. Was it the Was the Rent movie out yet? That was already out. That was 05. Okay. So this was like 06. So I was like, God, they 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 caught Tay just in time to make a reference where he wasn't attached to anything or doing anything. At the and moment. like he was very already popular in the in the black movies. Like right. The, the best man. Yes. Which I love. I love those movies. Best man holiday. I cried. It was so good. Yeah, so he was already a known person and a very thirst-after thirst man. And um, so I just love that reference where it's mm -hmm. like, okay, we find out Mark has a type. Yes. <laughs> and, um, oh my God, um, you, you see how um, petty Wilhelmina can be sometimes because um, just how petty she is because... She's like, I hate when she smiles. It's, it's so, so metallic. It's so metallic. It's like... She we, she's wearing braces. Of course, it's going to be metallic when she smiles. She's wearing braces. It was just such an interesting. I, I think she was talking about her personality as well. Saying, "Ooh, is that metallic shining personality?" It's like it's like oh, ugh. I'm choking. It was just a, it was just an interesting play on words for Wilhelmina. And speaking of Wilhelmina, I loved her apartment. That apartment's apartment that I wish I had. I'm, I want I want to work up to that apartment just so nice and clean and so like that apartment it should be on the must list and sadly it's sad that Wilhelmina herself had that apartment and she was still dissatisfied with her life because she was still creative director yeah and that gets reminded to you again yes and I love how shady she was but I'm still creative director <laughs> um here's another PC thing I I was like ooh I wonder if that would imply today. Mm -hmm. So uh, earlier we were talking about how how um, with Herbalux, um, Betty was trying to peddle it at her job. Yes. And when Mark says she's trying to earn more pesos, like, I was like watching that going, ooh, would that fly today? Uh, I'm not sure if it would. It's like, I was like, uh, I mean, look. That's I mean, a 2008 joke. 2006. 2006 joke. Uh, 30 Rock was 2008. This was 2006, just to clarify for our listeners. But yeah, I mean, it's it's so, I mean, here's the thing. Now, I don't want them to go and remove these episodes of Ugly Betty. But and I think I think what we do with this cancel culture thing that I don't agree with is if we just erase everything and remove everything, then we can't really pass those lessons on to the next generation and say, this is why it's not okay to say that. Because mm -hmm. even though Mark is gay and is considered a minority in a different way, he is still a white man. It is not okay for a white man to, to, to say that line. Ain't that the truth? I know. Yeah. So it's like, it's just, it's... but, but I did like that whole Herbalux scene. At, um, at mode when Hilda came. The montage. That was a great montage. <laughs> Ugly Betty knows how to do montages. Yes, they do. Um, and here's the thing that I wondered with this episode. I really do believe that the true driving force be behind this show is Selma Hayek. I really think that Selma Hayek made this show happen. She, she did make that 
Because she is a producer. Yeah, she is a producer on the show. I really feel like Selma Hayek, because here's the thing. Uh, Kudos to ABC for taking a chance on it, but I really think that ABC might have not taken a chance on this show without Selma's involvement. Mm -hmm. Because Selma was already a name. She was already an Oscar-nominated actress. I really think that ABC might have not taken the gamble on this show. Remember, it was um, it wasn't originally ABC's. It was um, CBS's show, I believe. I think. Oof! And this was this was way too edgy for CBS. Yeah, so then moved to moved to ABC, and then you know Salma got involved, and then Salma got um, America in, in in the show. So yeah, I mean, I really feel like Salma was the driving force. So Salma, if you ever listen to this, good for you. Bravo, girlfriend. And and you know what? I'm glad that ABC did this because you know what? After Grey's Anatomy and Desperate Housewives, ABC was certainly ready for a show like Ugly Betty. Before we get to that, though, I just have to say, I love Sophia's book title, Making Your Man a Bottom. I love how she said it. (laughs) So she handed a coffee over. But that that scene, though, like when um, Bradford was introducing Sophia Reyes, Daniel thought that she was am server at the whole editors in chief thing that was so that was so um racist and misogynistic it was like and then when bradford introduced sophia and she said what's your what's your what's the title of your new book she hands the coffee to daniel making you man a bottom and they're like <laughs> yes i love that title um, oh, so you were saying Debbie Mazar. Oh, my God. I, I love, love her. Debbie Mazar's love guest her. star on this role. She was so good. Like, she's, like, one of those people you see, like, oh, my gosh, Debbie Mazar is in this. Of well, course Well, because Debbie Mazar is so, as an actress, she's so authentic. Yes. I love the Brooklyn accent. She is just authentically herself. It mm-hmm. is Brooklyn, right? I'm I want to make sure yeah, I get that. Yeah, no, it was more, I think it was more of a Queens accent. Queens or... Yeah, it was I know Queens. she's from New York. Yeah, she, she but she was doing like, like... I think she did more of a Queens. Well you, have something, well, you have something better, which is my word. And you know what show she's on right now? Younger. Yes! I haven't watched it, but I hear it's good. You know who's also on Younger? Hilary Duff and Sutton Foster. You know who else is on it? Um, Nick Tortella, I think that's how you pronounce it. No, I'm name. getting to somewhere. You know who else is on it? Who else? Michael Yuri. Michael Yuri, I didn't know that. Now you know. Now I learn something new every single day. That's I know. what I learned. Especially with life. me. Yep. Um, so <laughs> I love how in this episode, I mean, obviously we already touched on um, on Hilda coming to Mode, but it's like, okay, she's the second character from the family to break through to Mode. Because first it was Justin, and now Hilda gets to come to Mode. And then Ignacio will come later. But I love how one at a time they break in each of the family members to come to Mode. Like, obviously Justin is the obvious choice to the go first, first. The first person, the obvious one. Because he to wants go. to go. Yeah. And now Hilda is now not going because of, obviously, because she hates fashion. But she's going because, you know, she has to move some product. <sighs> But back to that montage. That was a great montage. And I love when they threw up the diet pills up in the air. And, like, <laughs> and then, like, the next the next part of that montage it was Willamie and Darius. Like, what the did... hell is going on here, right? I wish there, the pills were actually on floor. That would make the scene so much better. But I just love, Will, leave it to Wilhelmina to break up a party. What the hell is going on here? And, this, and Hilda tries to stand up to her and, like, get out. And, like... <laughs> and then okay um 
Ooh, uh, going back to the mystery woman, because we're going in order of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, ooh. Okay, here's what the mystery woman's voice is like. But we, we're not going to give anything away with casting or anything, but mm-hmm. when it's still a mystery, this is to me what I felt like uh, the mystery woman's voice is like. It's like a hybrid of Helen Mirren mm-hmm. and Barbara Walters when it comes to the mysterious woman's voice. It's like the, dig- the dignity of Helen Mirren is like that whole posh, you know, I'm talking classy. But Barbara Walters... Yeah, I, I, I see. That was a, that was a good mission. It's good like, it's like if, if Barbara Walters and Helen Mirren could have somehow had a baby, the mystery yes. woman's voice, because she had the assertiveness of Barbara. Because mm-hmm. Barbara was always very, like, assertive in her interviews mm-hmm. with people. Went back when she used to do the big Barbara Walters specials back in the 70s. Another ABC product. But anyways, um, oh, of course, I love the, I love the plug. ABC News. Hmm. Of course, um, of course, um, this show aired on ABC, so of course, excellent plug they could do with ABC News. Of course. And now I want to get to the scene about with Willie's check. And... Hold on one second. I got a couple more things in my notes here. Mm-hmm. Um, I love how Sophia's plan already starts to work. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to try not to give away too much with Sophia because it's an excellent arc, but Daniel is already going crazy for her. Yes. So Sophia's plan is already starting to work. Yeah, and when the, when the ending of um, Selma Hayek's arc, I, I want to talk about all the bits and pieces from the plan from these her episode arcs, so we could go back to obviously starting with this episode into Sophia's Choice, which is the last episode in the arc. And um, and obviously um, Nico is acting out because she's trying to get Wilhelmina's attention. She's trying to get Wilhelmina to be her mother. Mm-hmm. And I love how Mark comes to bail Nico out. Nico's like, "Oh, she sent her bitch." Hi, Mark. <laughs> Nico. <laughs> Um, I loved all the 80s show references they had in this episode, like Punky Brewster, mm. which is now being rebooted on, on Peacock, the new NBC streaming service. And also I love how, I think it's Hilda who says this, or I forget which one says it, but one of them describes Moat as like a gay Star Trek. Mm, yes, Hilda says that when she walks <laughs> in. What's her, not the, you know, sidebar again, what's her favorite special episode in like the canon of special episodes? You know what I'm talking about, like special episodes. I'm not sure. That's why I'm happy to rewatch this because I haven't watched any of these episodes since like 2015. So it's been like five years. Like special episodes on different TV shows. Hmm. Gosh, that's so fun. Um, I I have an answer, but I will I can't tell you till the next episode. Okay. We record. Oh, and there was one actor reference that I did pick up on this. I know this whole episode we've been talking about how Hilda and Betty are moving the product. At, mode mm-hmm. um one of the things of uh, when hilda says um i don't care if i have to stand on the corner with a chicken suit mm-hmm. now a lot of people don't know this but um you know who stood on the corner with a chicken suit in los angeles when he was coming up as an actor brad pitt, brad pitt. so i just love the little i love the little actor reference they give there because everybody knows that brad pitt stood on the corner of los angeles wearing a chicken suit when he was coming up as an actor. And look where he is now. He's the Oscar winner. Yep. And obviously, uh, we already talked about this. Love the montage of Hilda and Betty moving product. I love how Wilhelmina uses the authority to shut the party down. Uh, Or as I listed it here in my notes, shut the product party Mm -hmm. down. 
And then I love how Hilda tries to quote the lawyer and falls flat on her face. <laughs> and now going to... Um, this is like... Okay, oh yeah, you were about to say sorry. I want to get to the scene with Willoughby and Shaggy and how... I love how Willoughby is faking, caring about what Betty is going through and say, oh, my family's having problems. And say, oh, I'm so sorry. Me and my... Me and my daughter, we have problems, too. I would do anything for my daughter. Here's a check. Okay, and what I wrote in my notes is, this is Wilhelmina's first chess game with Betty herself. Mm -hmm. This is Wilhelmina's first chess game. Because up until this whole time, we have seen her play chess with nobody but Daniel and Bradford, I mm -hmm. want to say. Not as much. I'd say Daniel's, like, the main one she's playing chess with. Yes. Not so much Bradford. I yeah, yeah. Like She's more of a, towards the end of the first season, this is with Bradford. Okay. And, in and the then middle eventually of, Claire. And Claire, it goes like, it goes, her ultimate chess piece is with, with the person we can't say who it is now. Right. And then it's Daniel, then Bradford, then, then Claire and Betty. Yeah, so this is the first time we're seeing Wilhelmina one-on-one with Betty playing chess. And, oh my god, I mean... What a dilemma Betty is in after Wilhelmina offers her the check. She wouldn't... No, I can't even spoil that because well, it won't happen yet. Well, I mean, just what a dilemma. You see the dilemma because, look, she basically hands her a check and says, here you go. But Here's, then Betty is like... Here's all your problems solved, but you know what the price is once yep. you cash this. And um, obviously, uh, going back to Bradford, we, we discover with this that it's... Um, that it's Faye's birthday, mm -hmm. and we see the mystery woman. We see her. Yeah, we see her again, and then she's getting ready to go and celebrate Faye's birthday with Bradford. And um, going back to Christina, Christina is the voice of reason. Again. And Christina is a true friend to Betty, because Christina just flat out says to Betty, if you cash that, she owns you. Mm-hmm. And, oh my god, it's, uh, obviously you had talked about, and we've been talking about, Wilhelmina's problems with Nico. Mm -hmm. And it's like a battle of the wills between mm -hmm. Wilhelmina and Nico. It's like watching a battle of, it's like a, it's like watching a human version of a bullfight between, um, Wilhelmina and Nico. And I love how the, um, Nico is slowly wearing down Wilhelmina, but she's trying to keep everything composed until, like, the ending when she's acting out in the lobby of me publication. Well, I mean, I love the complexity between Wilhelmina and Nico. Mm -hmm. And I feel like what you really learn in this episode is that, look, Wilhelmina does love, but she loves in a different way. Mm -hmm. She loves from a distance. Yeah, and she's a tough love, distance love, because she... That's how she was raised. Yeah, she's only focused on her career, because that's what she learned. Her dad was only focused on his career, becoming a sinner. And a congressman. Now, obviously, uh, Selma Hayek has a wonderful multiple episode arc, but I gotta say, the award for who has the best individual one episode arc in this episode is Amanda. She mm -hmm. has, to me, the best arc in this episode because in this episode, you really get to see Amanda's vulnerability. Yes. And she finally has her wake up call and she finally realizes. She's not going to be anything more than a casual fling, and she leaves. She just finally, it, it she, finally dawns on her. She, and she finally tells Daniel, it was me, and I know I won't be the one that you want to be with at the end of the day. 
and I'm okay with that. Ah, uh, there's so much um, intensity in this episode, and uh, that's what I had here in my next uh, my next set of notes, which is I love the emotional intensity between Betty and Ignacio. Yes, it it was a very emotionally taxing episode. Well, the thing is, um, it shows the beautiful and heartbreaking transition that you, I'm sure, are going through, that I'm going through, that I'm sure every child of a parent goes through. And it's that beautiful yet heartbreaking transition when, look, children become adults and they begin to see the flaws in their parents. And it's a slow process where you go from idolizing your parents to humanizing them. Yeah. Because obviously when we're young, we love our parents. They hang the moon for us. We idolize them. We want to be them. But then we get older and we become adults and we then have to turn around and look at our parents and go, oh, I'm an adult, but you're adults too. Yeah. And even though they're older than us, like we're now on the same adult level, they still look at us as, as kids. But now we look at them and say, hey, we're adults now too. We understand everything now. We're, and we, we need to call you out on your, your shit. Yeah. And you know, we, you can't, we, you can't say you're my child. They're like, I am your child, but I'm, I'm an adult now. And you have to be, take responsibility for your actions. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a tough transition and it's a transition that, that's not overnight. This is a transition of years. Yes. Where it's just, you, you because here's the thing. We're all human beings. Not a single one of us is perfect. Even our parents are going to make mistakes. We all make mistakes. I'm perfect. <laughs> I mean, you you got you got vulnerable with me this week and revealed some things, some troubles that you. We all go through this. Yes, we all go through it, and but that's what therapy's for, right? Right, that is what therapy's for, and also, you know, yes, you have to you have to keep in mind that look, after coming out to parents. You have to also be human and realize that they're human too and that, look, it's going to be an adjustment period, mm -hmm. you know, because here's the thing. Unfortunately, parents, you know, who come from the religious backgrounds. Especially and, the Southern religious backgrounds. Yes, and they have all these hopes and dreams about becoming. I Now that I'm older, I get, I get, I get the humanity in my parents and I, I, I understand it. And um, it's an adjustment period. Yes. So, and you have to bear that in mind because it's like, okay, you know, okay, we didn't turn out exactly how our moms and dads wanted us to be. But, hey, at the end of the day, neither of us are serial killers. We're not, you know, harming other people. Um, I love how, I love how um, not only Betty, but even Hilda knows what's up when it comes to, um, when it comes to, it's, even Hilda senses something's going on with her, with Ignacio. Yeah. It's not just Betty who suspects it. Even Hilda knows something's going on. Once again, um, I just noticed in this whole episode, Salma Hayek really utilizes her boobs. I mean, every single costume, you know, they were they were on, you know. And I love how I love how she, yeah, like you said, she uses her whole body. She she really like you know. Knows how to control her body as an actress. Mm. Not in my belief, because I watched both episodes six and seven back to back. I did so too. I'm so I'm trying to make sure this is the same the same episode when they got stuck in the elevator. This is this episode, right? Or the next episode? 
You got me there. I'm not sure. I forgot because I watched them both back to back too. It's like I know. It's like which one? Which one is which? Like. Um, the next thing I had in my notes here was, um... Oh, oh yeah, it was this episode. It was like, they they got stuck in the elevator, and then Sama climbed up on the edge and was like, Oh, yeah! Don't look, don't look up. And then she turns to tell us, like, You look. Boom! <laughs> and then I love the, um, I love the Die Hard reference from the elevator. Yes, it, yeah, because that was nearly the same scene. It's like, oh my gosh, this is, someone's been watching too much Die Hard. And then, um... Once again, this scene also had something else that I loved, which was uh, another so 2006 reference, which was Kevin Federline. Who's that? Um, the former husband of Britney Spears. Oh. <laughs> Daniel had made a joke about, you know, being stuck somewhere with Kevin Federline. And uh, this is, he was still married to Britney Spears at the time. This was, um, this was before Britney filed for divorce from him. So they were still married at the time, and Britney had just had his second baby so um you see why i have him on here because he's a pop culture person he, oh, he can yeah. he can pick up on stuff that i don't once again i love once again another 2006 reference nico's flip phone <laughs> you see so many flip phones in this season i, I love had a lo- i had flip phone for a long long oh time. me too i you want to hear the last you want to hear what year i finally gave up my flip phone 2012 I held on to it for a good long time before I finally surrendered to a smartphone. I had my flip phone until 2013, 14. Yeah, 2012, I finally surrendered and said, let me try this iPhone thing out. And now I'm glad I did that, obviously. Oh, you, you subscribe with iPhone. <laughs> I, I'm an I'm a Android person. Yep. Um... Once again, this whole episode, we just see Betty's moral dilemma play out because obviously she knows that this will solve her family's issues, but, you know, it comes at a cost. Mm -hmm. And, um, oh my God, we then go back to Nico's acting out moment because after, after, after Wilhelmina told Nico some of the things she did to the senator Mm -hmm. to act out... Um, Nico tries to stage her own version of acting out, and I love, I love how smart Wilhelmina is when she covers it up. Yeah, she comes out in the whole furs and just promotes the the must issue abode in January two thousand seven, and then after that, all the cameras leave. She, she and Nico had this huge fight. They said, "You know what should be on your must list? Must be a great mom." Well, the thing I wrote after that was, I feel like Nico finally cracks Wilhelmina's armor. Mm-hmm. And Wilhelmina finally gets vulnerable. And and because the thing is, Wilhelmina works as the creative director of Mode. Mm-hmm. Wilhelmina is, is, she's used to being a fixer. Yeah. And she can't fix her daughter. She can't fix her family. This is not something you can fix. Mm-hmm. And she is... I think it's really hard for Wilhelmina because she's so used to being a fixer. And I would like to argue from this episode on, she shows more her um, more vulnerable side because she was more she's more vulnerable throughout the rest of the series. Because the episode previously, she had like a more of a hard armor on, and this episode on, she's more pieces vulnerable. of the armor start to finally come off. Yes, yeah, because. She has vulnerable moments in, like, you know, because vulnerable moments as actors is, is fun to play, obviously. Well, she really gets to show, 
I mean, I, Vanessa, please come on sometime. Um, she really gets to show her acting chops in this episode. I love that quiet, vulnerable moment when she's by herself in her apartment. You, she, you really, she really gets to show her acting chops. And um, once again, I love Amanda's arc in this episode. We talked about it earlier, but the scene where she finally faces Daniel and confronts him about the watch. Mm -hmm. We still don't know if the mystery woman is Faye Summers or not. Yeah. She's dressing like Faye, so we start to think, is she Faye? Yeah, because you, she, she's always wrapped up, and she just came out as Faye. Like, it could be her. But why did she take off her bandages just... Maybe that's what she looks like under. Maybe it's not. You never know. And once again, in addition to Vanessa Williams being able to really show her chops in this, you know who else really does in this episode? Mm. Tony Plana. Yes. Because, oh my God, he really gets to show his stuff here too. I love the monologue he gives at the end of the episode. He got to be an incredible storyteller, and once again, another drop-the-bomb moment. Yeah, I love how, like, sometimes Ugly Betty episodes end on the drop-the-bomb moment, yep. especially in the first season. It's like, oh my gosh, because it's the first season, you're to get them to watch the next episode, but it was a really heavy thing that, oh, I killed someone. This is why I can't, because, you know, someone might... That's why I can't apply for amnesty or a green card because they might send me back to mexico because i killed somebody and you know that's a heavy that's a heavy way to end the episode but how can we not heavily end this episode of the podcast well i mean i i'll just end it by saying this i mean i i wouldn't be surprised if for acting categories for vanessa williams and tony plana this was the consideration episode i think this was i i have to double check it but it wouldn't surprise me at all because you really get to see Vanessa and Tony in their finest hours here, I feel. In terms of, you get to see Vanessa really peel off the layers and show the vulnerability I think and humanity he was, of Wilhelmina. I think Tony Plana was submitted for the Halloween episode because they get submitted for comedy. Mm -hmm. because And he had great comedic moments in that episode with all the costumes. Yes, because, you know, because I'm... America was submitted for comedy, not drama. Mm -hmm. They so, were all submitted for comedy. Yeah. And even Vanessa. So. Yeah, so final thoughts on this episode? Well, once again, I just love how it's another bam, drop the mic yes. ending. This was, it was, this is a really good episode. It's like re-watching this. It's like, ah, uh, so, you know, it's still, it's still holds up, you know. Obviously, there are some things that don't age well, but we all have to keep in mind we're in 2020, and this was 2006. And the references are always good, and I love especially the ref looking back at all the references. Like, I remember this was super popular, and now <laughs> it's not. <laughs> Kevin Federline was popular at one time for being Britney Spears' husband. And so. an episode coming up and. Like, a few episodes down, there was a reference to, like, oh, my gosh, I remember when that happened on TV. Wow. All right, That's so cool. tune in for the next episode, After Hours. Bye. Bye.